Well, this morning we continue with our series in the book of Romans. We're continuing with this section, which is called, What About Israel? This morning we'll be looking at Romans 9, verses 6 to 13. Romans 9, verses 6 to 13. Excuse me, one second. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Oh, you got my clicker. Thank you, sir. This is so much fun. The problem is I need a third hand, one for the microphone, one for the clicker, and one to turn the pages. But that's all right. We'll make it work. Romans 9, verses 6 and 7. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. This can be sometimes a difficult message to give, The reason is that if it's given in the wrong way, there can be a sense of superiority involved here. No such sense is intended by me this morning. But we do have to understand God's word. We have to understand God's promise. And we have to understand God's plan. Genesis 21 verse 12 says this. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. Is there anybody here this morning who understands completely and totally 100% the mind and will of God? Just the fact that nobody raised their hand is a good indication that we're in the right place. His thoughts are higher than us. His understanding is higher than us. His plans, his priorities, his will, and his work are too awesome, too great, too amazing, too supernatural to be totally understood. However, they must be received. They must be accepted. 
and they must be understood as God's promise, which is, by the way, God's word. They are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. In Isaac your seed shall be called. Now we all know what happened. Abraham and Sarah decided to take things in their own hands. Can I see a show of hands of anybody who's ever tried to take things in their own hands? Oh, we're good today. The problem is, our hands compared to God's hands, you know what the comparison is. And so they decide to have a child through the bondwoman, Hagar. The problem is, the child of the bondwoman was not the child of promise. Because God said, In Sarah, your seed shall be called. Romans 9, verse 8. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. I want to read to you an amazing section. This is from the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. 22 through 31. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For as it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who do not travail or have birth bangs. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Isaiah 54, verse 1. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. By the way, he's speaking to a predominantly Gentile congregation. We, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him, was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but children of the free. If you have a pen and paper, please write this down. God does not need my help. God did not need Abraham and Sarah's help 
through Hagar. Hagar was spiritually the mother of bondage, the mother of self-help, the mother of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the mother of I can do it when God's not present. Sarah was the mother of promise, the mother of God's word. Romans 9.8 talks about children of the promise, not of the flesh, but of the promise. Galatians 3, verse 29 puts it this way. And if you are Messiahs, then you are Abraham's seed, an heir according to the promise. How many of us have read that verse too quickly and not thought about what it says. To understand what it says, we have to go back to the original covenant God made with Abraham. In your seed, who can finish it for me? All the nations of the world shall be blessed. You see, the blessing of the promise is available to both Jew and Gentile, but the promise itself was to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the line of the promise. And there is no amount of replacement theology and no amount of supersessionalism in in seminaries taught today that can change that truth. Dear ones, when we pray to God, when we pray to Elohim, when we say Baruch Atah Adonai, blessed are you, Lord our God, we are talking about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Let there be no confusion about that. The flesh versus the promise. I want to read part of what I just read again. For it is written, that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, according to self-effort. And he of the free woman through promise, which if you think about it, was a supernatural promise because Sarah was just too old. Hebrews 11.11 says it this way. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child which she was, when she was past the age. Why? Because she judged him, God, faithful, who had promised. Who had promised. I wonder if anyone here has ever received a promise from the Lord, whether in prayer or in the midst of reading scripture or among the testimony of friends or maybe when you're totally down in the dumps or at a mountain peak. I wonder if anybody has ever received a promise by God. If you have, 
Let me tell you what he did not say to you. He did not say, I promise you. Now, you probably wonder, how can you say that, Dennis? Well, for one thing, I've got the microphone. But if you go back into the word of God, if you go back into the Hebrew scriptures, every time you see the word translated promise, in the Hebrew, it's some derivation of davar Adonai, the word of the Lord. Because you see, God's word is his promise. It's kind of like when you look at the scripture and it says, Don't make vows, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, let your word be what your word is. And God's word is a promise. If God's word says that the only way to him is through his son, dear ones, that's not only truth, it's a promise. Nobody's excited. It's not just the truth. It's a promise. It's a promise that if you go through the Son, you'll get to the Father. And God doesn't have to say, I promise you. He just says, this is my word. The children of promise, not of the flesh, but children of promise. Romans 9, 9. I'm getting excited now and my sheets are getting all messed up. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. What? What? By the way, this is the Sarah who was laughing hysterically at God. Do you remember? This could also be us who's laughing hysterically at God when we say no one's going to be able to handle this God and then God comes through. This is the God who is supernatural and can take care of whatever he wants to take care of in whatever way he wants to take care of it at whatever time he wants to take care of it in order to bless you because his promise to you is I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is the God who says this is the word of promise. Genesis 18:14 says it like this, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, God says, I will return to you. That's his promise to Sarah. According to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. God just made a promise to Abraham. Sarah shall have a son. Barren Sarah shall have a son. Untrusting Abraham and Sarah shall have a son. Despite what they did, God's plan was going to happen. Why? Because God made a promise. You shall have a son at my appointed time and in my appointed place. Romans 9.10. And not only this. Don't you love it when you read something like that in Scripture? It's like, you know, Pope Peel Pocket Fisherman. Everybody remember Pope Peel Pocket Fisherman? 
And not only that, but if you buy now, you get two. Just pay additional shipping. And not only this, Romans 9, 10. But when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. You see, the promise of the seed went from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. This was the line of promise both as seen in the Hebrew Scriptures and as seen here in the New Testament Scriptures. God's covenant to Abraham was repeated to Isaac and to only one other person, Jacob. The Abrahamic covenant was a covenant that went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. That was the promised line. That was the promised Seed. And verse 11 says, The children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, nor having done any good or evil. If you've ever heard a teaching that said that Esau was going to serve Jacob because Esau was going to give up his birthright and act wrongly, dear one, Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says before any good or evil was done, that the purpose of God, the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. Not of works, but of him who calls. And the Lord said to her, this is God speaking to Rebecca now. Two nations are in your womb. Please listen to the words. Two what? Nations. Not two sons. Not two people. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples, plural, shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. It doesn't say one man. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. It's only in this last sentence that we get a singular pronoun. People miss this point, And it's very important to understand when we get to the next verse. God here is talking about two lines. One is the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the other is the line that first started with the birth of Ishmael, but then continued with the birth of Esau, who became Edom, the Edomites. So one people, one nation, Israel, versus one people, one nation, Edom, And because of that, God says, the older Esau will serve the younger Jacob. You see, Jacob could not serve Esau in God's plans because Esau was not of the line of promise. How many people have I already confused? Here's my point, and we'll get to it in just a minute. Matter of fact, let's get to it right now. 
verses 12 to 13. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now, is God really saying, I loved the child Esau, uh, Jacob, but I hated the child Esau? That's what it seems like, doesn't it? What were the previous verses talking about? Two nations. And the nation that was represented by Esau was the nation of Edom, who was a mortal enemy of Israel. Now, how do we know that this has some validity? We'll turn to the book of the uh, Italian prophet Malachi. I can't help it. I'm just too full of myself this morning. Malachi, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The burden or the oracle or the prophecy of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Who is he saying I have loved you to? Israel, not Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you, Israel, say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And then everybody stops there. Jacob I have loved, and Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. This is not a condemnation specifically of Esau. This is a condemnation of the people who would be descendant from Esau, specifically the Edomites. Should I clarify it a little bit? I've heard too many people preach, and I must confess I've preached it myself in the past, that the reason God hated Esau was because he gave up his birthright. Did Esau give up his birthright? Of course he did. Did he give it up for a bowl of stew? Must have been some pretty good soup. But is that why God loved Jacob and hated Esau or despised Esau? No, Jacob must be seen as a people and Esau must be seen as a people. And God loved the nation of Israel and God did not like the nation of Edom because they were Israel's enemy. And God says, I'm going to take care of them. I don't like them. They are against my people. Do, do, do we have it? Final word. God's word is his promise. God's word is his promise. God's word is his promise. God's word. God's word. If God says it, it's true. If God prophesies it to come, it will happen. If God speaks to you in a still small voice, 
in the middle of a night or in the middle of the metro station downtown. It's his word and it's his promise to you. And sometimes his promise can be a warning. And dear ones, when God gives us a warning, that's a big promise. Because it says, don't go there. If you do, I promise this will happen. I've been there. I got the t-shirt. I've worn that t-shirt out. We've all been there. We've all got the t-shirt. I hope we all haven't worn it out. Because that t-shirt should be hanging up in a closet reminding us of who gave us the word. The word of promise. Just like he gave to Abraham. Just like he gave to Isaac. Just like he gave to Jacob. Just like he gave to Joseph. Not Joseph in scriptures, but Joseph in the pews. He told Joseph that this woman was not going to die like all the doctors said. Was that a word of promise? Did he say, I promise you, or did he just tell you? He just told me. I find, this is not in my notes, but it's all of a sudden in my head. The older I get, the stupider I get, and the more in love with God I get. Do do you know what I mean? I'm tired of trying to be so smart. He's already got it figured out. Who am I to second guess or give a second opinion? God is not some great mental, spiritual, soulful surgeon up in the sky that's looking for us to give him second opinions. Oh, come on. Give me some kind of feedback so I know that I'm not just ranting to myself. Amen. And, and here's what's neat about getting more and more stupid. I don't have to worry about it because you're still listening to me. What does that make you? Hopefully as stupidly in love with God as I am. We come up here in the morning and we pray before services. How many of you see us pray before services? How many of you see us pray and still sit back there? Come on down. That's the problem with closed circles. That's the problem with platforms that are only so big. Guess what? This platform has another tier. Join us. You know what we prayed for this morning? That we would recognize the presence of the Lord. We didn't pray that his spirit would come. How many of you pray, oh Lord, let your spirit come. 
I got news for you. It's already here. The only reason we don't understand it is because we don't expect it, because we don't receive it, because we don't truly want it. My notes have just flown right out the window, and I don't care. This is to be a house of prayer for all nations. And we got a bunch of them represented here. This is to be a house of witness. That when a newcomer comes in, they smile. They join in the worship. Do you know why? Because the Spirit's here, not because we're so great. See, you thought I was going to say they smile because it's such a wonderful place to be. The only reason it's a wonderful place to be is because he's here. And the only reason he's here and ever-present is because we expect him to be here and ever-present. And the only reason that some places he doesn't seem to show up, he doesn't seem to show up, is because they don't expect him. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing... If one day this sanctuary was filled with a cloud and we couldn't even speak. Okay, I'm done. Abba Father. How awesome and amazing you are. You truly are awesome in this place. May we recognize that our personal limitations are not hindrances to a relationship with you. No, Father, they are all the more an invitation to a relationship with you. For when we are weak, you are strong. When we're in trouble, you're the solution. When we're sick, you're the healer. When we're broke, you're the bank. But most importantly, Father, When we're worshipful, you are ever-present. May this congregation always understand that fact. I wonder sometimes, Lord, if you smile. If you do, I think it's when we worship you and not because you're prideful. It's because you're worthy. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, mighty Father. You are worthy of all praise, 
To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace. Yivarech Adonai v'yishmerecha Yair Adonai panavelecha v'yuchunecha Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom v'yasem lecha shalom This is the way You shall be blessed from day to day. He'll be your rest. This is the way you shall be blessed from day to day. He is your rest. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his face and his grace shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace, and give you peace, and give you peace. Okay, so this is what I'm supposed to tell you right now. The Lord was here today. He was here in the prayer before the service. He was here in the practice of the worship team before the service. He was here during the worship service. He was here during the Torah service. He was here during the message. And the Lord would have me say this to you. Evangelism isn't just going out into the street with a tract Evangelism is inviting people you know to witness the presence of the Lord. And this is not his word that he gave me to tell you. This is my word, okay? How many of you have never invited a friend here? Don't raise your hand. How many of you are keeping a friend from witnessing the presence of the Lord? Do you know that it may not be a message word given? It may not be um, a, a greeting. It may just be music that will break someone's heart. How can their heart be broken if they're in the mall shopping because you didn't invite them here? We talked about this two weeks ago, and, and I, 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 I feel kind of guilty harping on it, but I don't feel guilty harping on it. 
There is someone special here. His name is Adonai. And we need to invite people to meet him. And you don't have to have a lesson in Jewish evangelism to do it. All you have to have is a lesson in kindness. And here's how the lesson goes. Repeat after me. Would you, my dear friend, like to come to Son of David Congregation next Saturday? Every week I'm there, God shows up. Would you like to meet him?